A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. listening to Flop Culture, a podcast where we talk about flops. But what is a flop? I hear you ask. A flop is, in some ways, a dream of which your heart makes. A flop is in the eye of the beholder. A flop can be many things, as you learn over the course of this podcast. And you might disagree with me at times. And you know what? That's fine. I absolutely welcome discourse. And I expect today's flop uh, will ruffle some feathers. I'm Fanula, I'm your host, I'm happy to have you here. Let's get into the news this week. Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn are no more, allegedly. They have called it quits, six years together, uh, no confirmation really from their camp, either camps, multiple camps. But I think people are taking this as a given because uh, Taylor Swift's manager or the person who does her PR, Tree Payne, hasn't come out to deny that. And Taylor herself hasn't come out to deny that, which she usually would do. So yes, we are to believe that the singer and the conversations with Friends actor, the favourite star, Joe Alwyn, are no more. She's currently on her Eras tour. We're seeing lots of that on TikTok. And fans are speculating that there have been like little tiny changes in some of the shows, which would also imply that they have broken up. At one of the shows, I think in Arizona, she was crying during Champagne Problems, which is about a relationship breakdown. Uh, And people were kind of like, well, Swifties, not just normal people, because normal people would not interpret this in this way. But Swifties were like, hmm, crying to that song. You don't cry to that song for no reason. You know what I mean? I don't think she was just so moved by her work. Maybe she was, but anyway... Uh, At another show, she reportedly swapped out uh, Invisible String, which is allegedly about Joe and about how they were always connected and meant to be together. She swapped that song out in the set list for the one from Folklore, which was about uh, kind of the one that got away thinking about a person that she was in a relationship with that could have been the person she spent the rest of her life with, but ultimately didn't. Um, So people are saying that seems like a little bit, uh, a little bit too... Coincidental, 
in terms of why they've split, a source close to Taylor and the actor told people their split was largely caused by differences in their personalities. They've had rough patches before and always worked things out. So friends thought they would take some time apart, uh, but eventually come back together. Uh, but ultimately, the two of them weren't the right fit for one another. Uh, and also that Joe has struggled with Taylor's level of fame and the attention from the public. The differences in their personalities have also become harder to ignore after years together. Uh, they've grown apart. Taylor didn't see them working out in the long run, which is kind of devastating. A lot of rumours that they were married. They kind of just seemed like the perfect fit because he was so much more normy in comparison to her. He seemed very low-key, which is what she needed after all the public hubbub and the stuff she's gone through in her personal life and with the media. It just kind of seemed like a match made in heaven in some way, but now people are speculating. Maybe he doesn't want to be low-key. Maybe he wants to be out and about. Maybe he wants to be getting with Kylie Jenner. Move over, Timothy Shalamamale. He wants to be out sucking the face off people at Coachella. And he's like, I can't do that with Taylor because we're followed at every point in our lives. Uh, There was also, obviously... Uh, people kind of thought this was true because he hasn't been at any of the Ares shows, apparently, allegedly. I really uh, admire people's eyesight and how strong it is in the fact that nobody saw him from whatever vantage point you were at. I love that we have that confirmation that he was never there. Jealous of your eyesight. Let me know your secrets. Um, but then there was further rumours this week. Uh, she was in Liverpool shooting the music video for Vigilante Shit, I think. Joy King is in it. It's like Batman and Robin themed. I'm kind of, I'm interested to see that, even though I don't really like the song particularly. But apparently he was seen there or they were seen together around this time when she was shooting. So like, what is the truth? Very Oprah voice. We'll see. Who's she going to get with next? Nick Cannon is speaking for some reason and saying, I would like Taylor Swift to have my 13th baby. That's a no. That's a no. I don't care how much she likes numbers. Nick, stay away from her. Get a job, stay away from her. And can that job not be incessantly impregnating women? Just a thought. Just a thought. A lot of jobs out there. If you've ever played the game of life, lots of careers available there in those cards if you need some inspo. Pete Davidson, his name is also being thrown around. That would be funny. Would it be kind of iconic? I'm, I think there's a personality clash there. I don't think it would work even in a funny, haha, PR way. But we'll see. Strange things have happened. I just, I just want her to be married, which is, is it slightly problematic? Is it slightly unfeminist of me? Should we be wanting to be wives? That remains to be seen. But I just, I just want her to be happy. You know what I mean? And I think she really does want to be married. In my limited knowledge of her, whether that's to a man or a woman, I'm not getting into Gaylor conspiracy theories here. But uh, I just want her to be happy, you know? And she does not think of me at all. So we'll see. We'll keep you updated here uh, at Flop Culture and see where the two of them go next. Will we'll be interesting to see, as I always say. Elsewhere, Kim Kardashian has joined the cast of American Horror Story, which is definitely a flop that I could get a full season out of. So watch this space. She's joining the cast for its 12th season. Uh, the role has been written specifically with her in mind, according to Ryan Murphy. Uh, The series is going to be based on a book that is not out yet by Danielle Valentine. It's called Delicate Condition and the working title for the new season of the show is American Horror Story Delicate. Uh, And Emma Roberts is back. She's been kind of a franchise mainstay for the last couple of years. Uh, It's giving kind of Rosemary's Baby vibes. So like the the logline we have on it, uh, it's a thriller. 
Uh, and it's the story of a woman who becomes convinced that a sinister figure is going to great lengths to make sure her pregnancy never happens. So I don't know which role she's in in terms of what Ryan Murphy has said. He's the co-creator and the executive producer. He said, Kim is among the biggest and brightest television stars in the world. Okay. And we are thrilled to welcome her to the AHS family. That's a hard... AHS, not easy to say. Emma and I are excited about collaborating with this true force and culture. That's correct. I would... That's that's correct. Uh, Hayley Pfeffer, the series writer, has written a fun, stylish and ultimately terrifying role, especially for Kim. And this season is ambitious and unlike anything we have ever done. Filming is due to begin in New York later this month. It's interesting because if you look at the impact that even being an American horror story had for Gaga, it kind of gave her this level of legitimacy that she didn't have in that realm, I would have said beforehand. Like she's a she's a bona fide movie star now. Um, but I think she always had it in her, which is, I have questions about Kim because in terms of her acting credits, she has acted before. She was in CSINY and Beyond the Break, a show I've never heard of. Most importantly, she was Pete Wentz's love interest in the video for Thanks for the Memories, the Fallout Boy song, which made her my number one enemy at 12 years of age. I remember seeing her Cribs episode and the clip coming up and being like, why I oughta? But anyway, another person who has never once thought of me, Pete Wentz. Basically, this is all to say that I don't really know what her acting chops are like and will it be any good. And from my perspective, this is like pure... In my opinion, I should say this is pure stunt casting and this is a way to maybe kind of inject some relevancy into a franchise that, as someone who's never watched but has followed it very closely because I found it interesting, I've watched clips, I've never watched it consistently and listening to my friends who are massive fans, this franchise is on its last legs. The last couple of seasons just seemed to be completely off the rails in a way that wasn't fun, in a way that was just objectively bad. So we'll see. Is she going to be an actor? Is she going to be, are we, is this Emmy fodder? We'll see. I'm, I'm, again, I'm interested. Maybe I'll be watching. The good thing with American Horror Story is you don't really have to have watched any of the previous seasons to jump into this one. So, yeah, we'll see. Good luck, Kim. Good luck. And finally, Millie Bobby Brown is engaged to uh, John Bon Jovi's son. A real sentence, not AI generated, would you believe? She's been dating Jake Bon Jovi for two and a half years. He's 20, she's 19. There's a lot of debate about age. I'm not getting into that. I don't care. Uh, and also there's no official confirmation. It's all alleged. But it seemed like she was sharing engagement news. She put up this photo on Instagram. She's wearing a ring. She looks very emotional. He's hugging her. The caption is, I've loved you three summers now, honey. I want them all, which is a Taylor Swift lyric. So there you go. Uh, lots of famous fans and friends uh giving their congratulations in the comments. No Schnapp is obviously probably her best friend from the Stranger Things crew. He shared his congratulations. I found it nuts that uh, Jess Wright, who was previously on Towie, the only way is Essex, was like, oh my God, congratulations. This is amazing. So, so happy for you, darling. So I was like, how the fuck are they friends? And I thought there was going to be some like interesting tidbit, but it's just that Millie is good friends with her younger sister, who is a model. I think her name is Natalia. Natalia Wright. So yeah, we'll have to buy hats. We'll have to buy Demogorgon hats. I can't wait. Congrats. Congrats, guys. Now, from locking yourself into a lifelong love commitment to literally locking yourself up, again, kind of for love, I suppose, let's talk about this week's flop. What would you do if your brother went to prison for a crime he didn't commit? That's the question in Prison Break, at least in the early seasons when it enjoyed success critically and commercially. Unsurprisingly, the premise went slightly off the rails in its concluding seasons and its recent reboot, much to the chagrin of fans. 
Joining me to discuss Prison Break's journey from bop to flop is comedian Simon Hennessy. Simon Hennessy, thank you so much for joining me on Flop Culture. How are you? I am good. Happy to be here on Paddy's Day. Or can I say that we're recording on you Paddy's can. Day? You can, yeah, it's fine. Sure. Behind the curtain. <laughs> Although you wouldn't know it's Paddy's Day. I'm the only one here in green. I'm wearing green later on, is what I said. But then you rightly said... I rightly said that it's Paddy's Day, not Paddy's <laughs> Afternoon. Okay? As a true patriot... <laughs> I am wearing green. No one can see me, so I'm wearing green head to toe. And yeah, you've green socks on as well. Fair play. I do. Well, there's a little bit of green. It's mostly white, but... I don't know, more to me. I've pink Crocs on, which I think St. Patrick would spit on if he saw me. St. Patrick would be deeply, deeply disappointed. Yeah. But it's okay. You know what? I'm repping. I'm the true the true Irish one in the room. Yeah. We love that. We love that. Um, talk to me about your pick for this episode, because... I did kind of put you through the ringer in terms of your picks because I think you're going to come back and do something else that you wanted to do originally. But I asked you to kind of, maybe we'll save that. We'll do it next year in a more timely fashion. But I love, I love what you ended up settling on. So yes, we did have, we had a good original choice, but you know, without giving too much away, (laughs) timing wise, it just didn't work out. That's okay. 2024, we'll see you there. (laughs) Then we had a few others. I threw out a few suggestions, which for various reasons, couldn't happen, that's fine. Ultimately landed on something that I I haven't thought about in years. It's been a lot, and I'm going to probably predict that most people haven't thought about this <laughs> in years, but it's high time we all revisited, reopened, remade the case for Prison Break. The beloved, I'm going to say like late 2000s, TV series um, starring Wentworth Miller and Dominic Purcell as the uh, the two bros just continually breaking out and getting back into prison and with the plot kind of increasingly unraveling and become more and more outrageous. So Prison Break is the choice. So I'm very excited to get into it. I'm so excited to talk about this because this is a real like moment in time, I think, for a lot of... How old are you, can I ask? So I was like, I'm going to say when I started watching it, I was about 12, which was... I think I was roughly around the same. This is what I mean. It was like, you were in that period of your life and this was on RT2 and you probably shouldn't have been watching it. Like my my mom was furious if if she ever caught me watching this because it was not suitable for that age demographic. But it was just... I don't know. I don't know if I'd feel that way about it with like having fresh eyes on it. But I remember just being like, I could, this is such a captivating story. The two brothers, obviously, they're both a bit gorgeous. You know what I mean? Oh, Winworth so. Miller as Michael, this alluring kind of mysterious weirdo with just like these absolute like, he has those eyes that are like, you know, those big grey dogs. Those they're like eyes. My what, goodness. What, oh, everyone, I'm thinking of a specific breed, but I cannot pronounce the name. Wyra Manor. Wyra Manor. It's that one. Fucking hell, I'm not good on uh, pronunciations on the show. But yeah, it just like, there was something quite fascinating about it and even on on paper right so obviously we'll get into it but like the first two seasons I think are like pretty solid and then it kind of gets a bit ropier after but on paper even the concept kind of seems a bit nuts and it shouldn't work so what you kind of refer to it there and obviously the clues in the name prison break but what was the show about overall 
So the sh- I mean, Prison Break. It was about bra- it was very much you know what it says on the tin, and I very much agree in that. Like I, as I around like that age, starting to watch it, it was. I feel like everyone has this show. It's like the first adult show that you watch, and you're st- sorry that makes it sound like a pornographic show, which it well. I don't know. There were. I remember a scene. There's a specific scene and this woman ends up shagging one of the wardens and it's imprinted on my memory for some reason and I yeah. wish it wasn't. I, mean, I hear the dialogue sometimes when I'm doing everyday things and I'm like, why do I remember this and not like important dates in my life? Because it's art. It's, <laughs> it's true art from the folks over at Prison Break. Yeah, and Michael used to swan around with that shirt off all the time. Any excuse. I know it was like the tattoos and like that was the prison blueprints. I think he just wanted an excuse to... Pop the shirt off. A hundred percent. Anyway, the, yeah, it was, it was, I feel like everyone has that show which they watch and it's like the first, you're watching and you're like, this is for adults. You know what I mean? Like up until this point, it's been all Saved by the Bell or, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff. And that's fine. But I was getting to that age where I was like, no, you know, I need, I need to be a little bit more I need some shagging. Stim- I need some violence. Yeah, I need exactly. to live on the edge. I need violence. I need sort of deplorable characters and pan flutes and you know a lot more excitement here and Prison Break was that because I remember my eldest brother used to watch it and then one summer it was on RT2 Monday nights season 2 double bill so you get two episodes every week and just became a family ritual I don't know how like my parents would watch it with us so and I wasn't even the young my younger siblings were like (laughs) 10 and they were watching it too and I was like this is definitely not appropriate but anyway um, yeah and that was those early couple of seasons and as you say Prison Break very much what it was about you know the first season was about breaking out of prison very simple yep second season the immediate aftermath mm-hmm. they're on the run so they're getting a little bit away from the concept but it's still very much tied to the idea of the prison break because they're just out they're trying to recapture them blah 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 then, of course, is when it all started to go off the rails. Because it's like, well, we've done a prison break. We've done On the Run. What really is there to do now? <laughs> so season three, they were re-arrested, but in Panama. And went to a prison which um, I believe was called Sona. Yes, and it was run by the inmates. It was run by the inmates. It was... It, this is where it was like, you know, it started to get like, is that, is that how it works down in Panama? I, I did. Don't know. I'm going to be honest. I rem- I vividly remember that end of season two where like Michael is in jail. So sorry, for anyone who's like totally unfamiliar, the whole series revolves around these two brothers who we've vaguely referenced. So it's Lincoln Bur- Burroughs, who's played by Dominic Purcell and Michael Schofield. Why do they have different second names? Is that ever established? I think it is. They have a different... Are they half-brothers? They're half-brothers. Okay, sorry, that makes dads, sense. I think. Anyway, Michael Schofield, played by Winbert Miller. We talked about that a minute ago with the dog guys. Um, Burroughs has been sentenced to death for a crime he did not commit, while Schofield devised an elaborate plan to help his brother escape prison and clear his name. So in the first series, in the first prison, uh, Lincoln is in that prison. So Michael gets into that prison to help him escape because he's like really smart. He's like an engineer. So he's like fucking crazy smart. Mm. He gets the prison layout tattooed all over his body. The, am I correct in saying that? So as he knows how to 
escape which like it's again it's that detail where it's like on paper this is this is laughable on television eat, eating it up eating it yeah. up with a spoon it's also like we we were i feel like we had just maybe this was just before smartphones but yeah you know, so sorry it was this right would have the point of it being like michael there is death there is definitely a more efficient way to do this. A hundred percent. There's definitely a way. Just get the, get the, he got loads of stuff like smuggled in or whatever, or like planted in places, which he used for it. It's like, just get the blueprint smuggled in. Just, just get on a piece of paper. You know, like. Don't get, like, my goodness, the sheer extent of those, ta- now it was a glorious set of tattoos, but I remember actually reading a thing about the show where it was like the, the producers came to hate the fact that he had the full body tattoo because it meant that for like the makeup department whenever like they had to put those tattoos back on him whenever he had to have his shirt off which is obviously a bit of a nightmare and it was very frequent yes which is very frequent but for (laughs) for the later seasons they were just like we're just going to put him in long sleeve tops all the time (laughs) so that we don't have to do this makeup but the entire third season was set under the blazing sun of Panama. So while everybody else was swanning around in like sort of tank tops or, you know, no top at all, there was Michael Schofield sweating away in like a <laughs> polo neck, like underneath the, yeah, the Central American sun. It was like something's not quite adding up here. Oh, but, he could have done serious deodorant span, I think. Just oh, like absolutely. not a sweat patch to be seen. Yeah, that tattoo took like five hours. If it was if it was fully on, it was five hours. And then obviously if he was wearing like a t-shirt or something, they'd just put it on his forearms. Mm. Nuts. But anyway, yeah, as you said, season two is like the escape. Uh, obviously they may, they have this ragtag group of friends and they're kind of and like accomplices and other people who want to escape. So they all kind of work together. Uh, and as you said, then they're caught in Panama, but it's Michael is arrested and goes to jail. So then it's like, how do we get him out of jail? Uh, season four, right? So I don't, I don't think I watched season four. Being completely honest, I think I fell off around the end of season three. So when I was like refreshing my memory on this storyline, like I think if this sentence doesn't encapsulate why it flopped, right? I'm very so, excited to hear this because the it's nuts. Like it, it, it not only has nothing to do with with breaking out of prisons, it has nothing to do with common sense, as far yeah. as I recall. Yeah, and so actually, I should bring it back to season one. So the whole reason Lincoln is in jail is because he's like framed for murder of the vice president's brother by this crime syndicate kind of called the company, right? The so company. that's yeah, the yeah. company. So that's important to remember, right? But anyway, season four. Okay, here is the logline. The major storyline for the fourth season is about a team recruited by Homeland Security agent Don Self to at- obtain Skilla. Although the team initially believes it to be the company's black book, it is later revealed to contain information on an advanced renewable power cell. <laughs> and also, yeah. Michael's dying in jail. Lincoln is now in the company. And Sarah, who Michael is with throughout the seasons, who was in the prison, and then Michael was kind of using her to get information and stuff. But now they're in love, because classic. She's in trouble, like Dodge. Lest dodge, forget, Dodge, Dodge. She had her head chopped off. In season three, I, don't I know think if you that's that. when I stopped because I was I was devastated. She was oh, dead. Yeah, Sarah, so was I. what is Sarah and Michael? End game. End game for me. Like, yeah. oh, perfect. It, it, it was utterly, utterly devastating. Her sorry. Before we loop back around to season four, because I'm very excited to dive into that absolute shit show of a plot. But 
yeah, it was so devastating when she when she died. I think the the actress was pregnant for that season. So they decided to kill her off and then bring her back. The way they killed her off was by <laughs> having her head chopped off and then that head put in a box and sent to um to Lincoln so that he could pass it on to Michael. Devastating. And they show it as well. I'm like, again, I watched again, this when I was like 12 or just 13. truly not suitable. But like, they were, not they, suitable. They were a beautiful romance. I mean, it is undercut a little bit by the fact that when you go back and watch it, you're like, well, Michael is clearly gay, you know? <laughs> so it doesn't quite make sense. But nevertheless... Um, you know, know, there are different kinds of love. Platonic love. Kinds. True. It was it was it was a platonic love that I was just know. misunderstood, I yeah. think, by the the writers. I just um, loved the fanfic nature of it being like she's the jail doctor and he is pretending to have diabetes to get or something, some oh, disease yes. to get information out of her and like he goes to visit her and it's like they're quiet time and like they talk to each other and they're like looking at each other like wistfully and then she realizes that he's not a bad guy and like she can change him if only they could get out together and run away and live this crazy runaway life. Yeah, and then Love he it. he makes her an accomplice because she for the big escape in, in season one she has to leave the door open to the infirmary <laughs> of course of like. course yeah, yeah for all his like for all of his master plan <laughs> for all of his like you know having every detail I think I'm probably right in saying that nearly every episode hinged on like someone. somebody someone pulling through and somebody like deciding to just out of the goodness of their heart get on board with the plan and leave a door open and like just open. just leaving a door slightly ajar I don't think you needed the full body tattoo for that Michael yeah, I think exactly. pretty which, self-explanatory which little bit of body art had that covered make Dr. Fall in love with me it just says it's a stick and poke and it's just like open door open lol door. oh shit I forgot about this bit but actually I mean I'm, I'm not surprised he made it work because one of Probably my favorite character choice on this show, maybe my favorite character choice in any show, is the decision that Wentworth Miller went with for Michael, which I'd love to ask him why. Because basically, as we've kind of outlined, Michael's sort of the like the weird genius, the brother of the, you know, Lincoln's the sort of the the tough guy, but Michael's the more kind of soft-hearted, but really smart, gets himself thrown in jail to break his brother out, all this stuff. All that tracks. But the other defining characteristic of Michael Schofield, as far as I can tell, is that he is the world's flirtiest man. (laughs) He was flirting constantly with everyone. And I mean everyone. Not just the hot doctor who he needed to seduce, but his fellow inmates, (laughs) those involved in the plan, those he needed something from, those weren't. The warden and the guards... They got a fair bit of flirting. Season two, we get uh, Mahomes, who's the the FBI agent who is, or sorry, Mahone, rather. I'm mixing him up with NFL player Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> a lot of similarities there. Um, Mahone, who is like, you know, his equal on the other side, and they're like chasing each other. Well, sorry, Mahone is chasing him, kind of trying to like follow the trail of breadcrumbs. And like there's various phone calls between them and the sexual tension you could cut with a knife because Michael is just flirting his heart out. And he even flirts with his brother, <laughs> his incarcerated brother. Like I remember there's a, there's a scene in very early, it's probably episode one, season one, where Michael's in the prison and he's like explaining to Lincoln the plan 
And he's, of course, doing it in some sort of locker room where they're right out of the showers. And Lincoln is sort of like, oh, so like, you're planning to like break me out. How are you going to do it? Are you going to see, the, have you seen the blueprints? And Michael is off camera and it's in the shower room and you get this like incredibly sultry, better yet, I've got him on me. <laughs> and then the camera, you see Lincoln's eyes widen. And then the camera cuts to Michael and you see that he's got his shirt off and it's showing all of the tattoos. But for a split second, I thought, and I'm sure everyone did as Lincoln's eyes widened, it's like, oh my God, he's just showing him his dick. <laughs> he's just taking his dick out. Because that is what his, to- his tone of voice suggests more so oh. than anything else. So, sorry, I've gone off on this Michael Schofield flirtation but, tangent, but I feel it needs to be addressed because it is a key feature of the character and the show. Is his, was his dick tattooed? No. Is that feasible? Is well, that feasible? I well, mean, Adam's nodding. Well, we ne- as, as far as I know, okay. like, we only ever saw the upper half. Okay. So from the waist up, but that could have just been kind of tasteful camera work. <laughs> there could have been several elements of the plan going on down there. I don't know. We didn't see it, but we didn't see it. Who knows? We didn't see it. Um, so season four, kind of same. Did you watch it right to the very end? Were you like with this until now? We have to talk about the reboot in a sec, but like let's just take seasons one to four as their own for a second. You yes. watched till the bitter end. Till the bitter end. Till the bitter. End. I was so invested in the show because again it had that special place in my heart it was like this is you know an adult show and I'm young and oh this is making me really whatever so I watched it and I watched it in real time and even then you know even as a whatever age I was when the fourth season came out I was discerning enough to know that like this is this isn't great this is getting ropey now yeah I stuck with it but it was bizarre like that yeah, they they assembled this team to take down the the company, which you know was never really very clearly defined. At one point, the pres the vice president, whose brother was killed, was involved, and then she became president in season two, but then stood down because the company were like, you know, trying to get her to do too much. The leader of the company was a guy called the general, who who you know, sorry to bring this back to genitals, but he was a he, he looked like a scrotum. <laughs> It's the only way I can describe him. Um, but it was like never really very clearly defined exactly what they were or what they were after. And the the, the little Scylla thing with the little cards was utterly bizarre. So as you, as you said there, the whole point of the last season was that they have to steal, I think it was six little like floppy disks from various like bosses who had them like out of bank vaults and, and from this kind of high-flying businessman and stuff. And it turned out, yeah, that it was like some sort of renewable energy solution, which like sounds like a good, it's like maybe the company are the good guys. <laughs> like they're just... Slay, climate heroes, slay. Yeah, they're just trying to develop some sort of, you know, new energy source that's going to solve all of our problems. And maybe Michael and Lincoln are the bad guys after all. I mean, mm. they were they were inmates, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, it really... It really went off the rails. And and they started doing that thing that TV shows do when they're losing juice and they they can't really come up with any more good ideas, which is they just start killing people off left and right. Mm. You know, we lost several kind of beloved characters. Brad Bellick went out in the final season. He was a big loss. He was kind of the, 
you know, guard in season one, kind of the, like the real kind of heavy sort of captain of the guards who everyone hated. And he was fired because they all escaped. He ended up in prison himself in season three. But then by season four, he kind of, he'd become part of the team. He'd become great friends with fan favorite Fernando Sucre, who was uh, Michael's cellmate in season one. Another gorgeous, gorgeous man. My goodness. Oh, person. Such a great... Well, part of the crime, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but his, I feel like his crime was sort of like a, you know, a a Spanish crime of passion or something. He was like, he was like stealing something so he could buy his fiance uh, or could buy like an engagement ring for his fiance. So, you know, yeah, probably shouldn't have. Okay, he did hold up a <laughs> liquor store with a gun, but he did it for love. <laughs> um, it was a great time looking back for gorgeous, like bold men. Yeah. They were all bold and they all looked great. Maybe, yeah, maybe we do need a renaissance of that because we're going through a thing of like, if you don't get a hair transplant, you're like the worst person in the world. So maybe yeah. we, we need to get these lads on a campaign. Bald well, is beautiful, guys. They tried with the with the reboot. Oh yes, didn't okay. Quite take off before we get to the reboot. Like, were you satisfied with the ending of season four and where the show ended? Like, what were you like? Yeah, this is. You know what? Whatever. This is satisfactory for me. Or were you left a bit like oh, they fucked this? Like from from a show that was so good and so you know, inviting and captivating is a word I've already used, but you know what I mean? Or, like, how did you feel about it? I, I, was, I was satisfied it was over, to be honest. Okay. With the main thing. I, do, I don't think the ending was incredible, but I, like, they'd clearly run out of juice. Yeah. And I was like, if this keeps going, it's only going to get worse. And, you know, it was... They had this kind of like, you know, Michael was dying kind of thing going on throughout the whole season. And then he got to go out saving them. I think it was like a different special released. In in the final episode of the fourth season, they, you know, they were kind of the flash forward to the, after they defeated the baddies, they kind of had a little sort of montage at the end where we see where all of the key characters ended up. Teabag back, in, I'm, sure, I'm hoping we'll get to Teabag at some point because... Best character on the show. Oh, I was going to ask you a favourite character. We'll come back to yeah, it. We'll come yeah. back to it. Um, but we see, you know, they've all, the whole gang gets together to visit Michael's grave and he's obviously died. But he's got a son now that he's left behind, little Michael Jr. And then we see, they because it's prison break, they had to tack on a little extra special where it was that Sarah, Michael's love interest, uh, had herself been arrested. Because even though the rest of them were exonerated in their part in taking down the company, Sarah, for for some reason, had to go back to prison. So it was one final prison break, uh, this time breaking in to kind of break her out. And Sarah got out, but Michael actually died in the process of saving her. So it was kind of a heroic death. It was barmy, it was nuts, it was very prison break, but it felt, it did, you know, it felt like a satisfying ending in that it it at least had the element of breaking out of a prison involved (laughs) for the first time in like a season and a half. And, you know, it was a fitting departure for Michael. I was was happy to close the prison break. You didn't think it was, like, fucking terrible. Like, you were like, oh, this tracks. Like, this tracks for where the show has been. And, yeah. I thought the final final season was pretty bad, but the ending was good. It went out with a bang. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. That's for sure. That's Until. for sure. Until season five, which was a limited series and a sequel to the original, um, takes place several years later. Um, but uh, Michael is alive, as it turns out, in this season. So it kind of follows them again. And at the time, so it was a Fox show and Fox CEO Dana Walden said, and I think if you have to say this, you're automatic. If you're explaining this, it's already like you should not be doing this. Uh, said that the series would provide a logical and believable explanation to why the characters are alive and still moving around the world. This was 2017, I think, this fifth season came back, yeah. You, I have not watched this. Uh, I actually thought it was still on for some reason, and I thought it was just one of those things where it's like, Jesus Christ, right. their popularity endures. Like, I don't know how this is still going, but I was pleased to see that it was just a one-season run. Uh, you did try and watch it, and I you, tried. And you you were just like, this is, I cannot do this. I honestly tried. Out of nostalgia, out of love for what Prison Break once was, I, I my hopes were not high. My hopes were not high. You went in with reasonable expectations. I went in with like, you never know. I was like, I was like the last season I did not enjoy, but you know, there's been a big gap. We're also living in the era of, prestige TV mm. where, you know, like I feel like Prison Break was sort of the last gasp of the network show being the center of TV culture with this kind of like 22 episode season, which whether it's good or not, like it it just goes on and on and on. Whereas by 2017, we were very much, you know, thanks to the Breaking Bads and the Mad Men's of the world, we were very much Game in the era of like, yeah, like the, the 10 episode, the more prestige, there's more money in it, more production value, you know, a lot of these shows, like, big stars brought in or kind of, like, you know, you've now got, like, filmmakers behind a lot of it. So I was like, maybe, maybe they're going to, there'll be a lot of the old faces, but it's going to be, like, a new kind of thing or something. They'll take it in some sort of different direction. And I was kind of intrigued. as like, but a lot of these people are dead, including the main character. So yeah. I am a little intrigued to see. So I, I, I tried. I tried. And I made it... I made it most of the way through the first episode of the reboot, but I had to stop. I literally, and I, I have rarely had this experience where I was like, no, this is just too, this is just too outrageous. I can't do this. The point at which I stopped was the point at which Teabag, who again, we're teeing up, <laughs> but Teabag, who, this is going to undercut anyone who doesn't know when I, as I describe him, like, did you say this was your favorite character? But Teabag, the convicted 
pedophile, rapist, oh, murderer. Jesus Christ. Was, uh, yeah, he, you know, he was, we'll get, we'll get to you that. You just, you had to have watched it, okay? You had to have watched it. But T-Bag was just released, you know, and no explanation was given. He was mm. just released again from prison. Absolutely. And then fitted out with like a cyborg robotic <laughs> arm. <laughs> Surgery performed on him. <laughs> By, like, I don't really know who, they didn't really explain, but to give him, like, a sort of a, you know, the guy in the Marvel, what's his name, kind of, Captain America's boyfriend, who has, like, a silver arm, the Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier, as Adam just said, I did not know that. Yes, they gave gave him one of those, and I was like, I can't do this, I can't do this, you know, And, and, and Michael was alive again in, like, a prison in... Syria or, so how or Yemen did they, or something. How did like, they explain that? It was just like he went into hiding. Do you see him die at the end of season four? You don't like see, see it, but like you see him, it like happens just off screen. It's like sort of the camera goes black. Okay, kind and of there's thing. like an explosion or something. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Like it's like that, an yeah. electric shock kind okay. of thing. So you don't see, see it. Not, but it's heavily implied. It, it's it, not like, okay. It's more than heavily implied. They visit his grave then okay. in the next scene. But I suppose, yeah, you do. I mean, look, at least it's a step up from having one of the characters head in a box and then that character is fine. Yeah. So they learned a little from their mistakes there. What is, what is Lincoln's fucking glasses prescription that he saw that head and was like, this is Sarah. And then it was like, oh, fuck, no, I didn't. It's the astigmatism. Sorry, different yeah. edge. It's like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, she didn't have red hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, Lincoln Lincoln was never the sharpest tool in the shed. No. He, he was more the kind of eye candy in God, there. And eye candy he was. Oh my goodness. My God. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Teabag. Let's do it. So What a character. Why is he your fave? Is he your fave? Yes. He's yeah, okay. Well my fave, not in the sense that I was like rooting for him. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make that really, very really clear. important to stress. Yeah, that. I want to, I want to, I want to make that clear. And if you just, if you read his Wikipedia description, you would be like, Jesus Christ, this guy is, is clearly like the the ultimate villain of the show. And in some ways, he was. But Teabag, so Teabag or Theodore Bagwell was his full. The nicknames on the show were, were so great. Like so they, good. I thought they were so cool at the time. You had like Teabag, C Note. Tweener, and it was like these definitely are not the actual nicknames of like inmates in correctional facilities in the states. Anyway, Teabag was on paper the most horrific character in the show. He was one of the inmates in uh, Fox River in season one, which was the prison they broke out of, and he was, as I said, in there for being a convicted pedophile and rapist and murderer, and he was also a white supremacist. And he was awful. But. <laughs> but, hey, but. 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 And, and, and again, never rooted for him. But he was. And I don't. I really don't understand how Robert Nepper, I think is the, the yeah. name of the actor who played him, didn't really kick on to, to anything. I think he had a few like other good roles after this. But he was just captivating he's very good in this so good and he played like this sort of like extremely unsettling but weirdly kind of charming this sort of southern charm he played him with he was this like slippery character who he was just chewed the scenery and every like when he was on the screen you couldn't look away and I don't know if like the writers intended for him to become as big a part because in the first 
few episodes. I think he's listed as a guest star and he only pops up here and there, but clearly like took off with fans or like screen tested really well because then he became a regular and he sort of slithered his way into the breakout team, you know, by accident. Nobody obviously wanted him there, but he he kind of became sort of the funnest one to watch as it went along as well because the the main guys, Michael Lincoln, Sarah, they were kind of the central plot of the show, the yeah. key characters. And like they were kind of tied up in this company government stuff, which, you know, just became increasingly like difficult to believe and, yeah. and follow. Whereas T-Bag was like, his was always kind of the B plot and he was just off having some sort of crazy, like once they broke out, he was popping up in funny places there was a big plot line in season two of like they were all after D.B. Cooper's money, which is like a real thing which they wrote into the show. D.B. Cooper being like this like historical figure in the States who who jumped out of a plane with $5 million in cash and was never discovered. They wrote him into the show. He was one of the inmates in Fox River who didn't make it out because he died in the process of them trying to escape, but he gave the location of the money. They all go after it in season two. And of course, it's T-Bag who tricks the rest of them and is off with it. So he's off spending the money, losing hands, having hands reattached, having fake hands attached. And yeah, it was just a brilliant, a brilliant performance. And like they didn't do that. It wasn't like a a Tony Soprano or, or a Don Draper who's a bad guy, but like is also good in some ways. And you're not sure if you're rude for him. No, to the credit of the writers, you never wanted to root for T-Bag. Like, he was always very much the bad guy. But it was, like, the bad guy who you loved to watch. And, you you know, you wanted him to get his comeuppance in the end, but you also, a little part of you was, like, glad that he kept he was getting away and he was dodging out of these situations just because the performance was so good. And it was really well written. He was a very funny character as well. Like, I think an element of Prison Break that probably they lost along the way a bit, but was that, it can actually be quite funny at mm. times. And T-Bag was very funny. Bellick was another character who was had some wonderful lines through the course of the show. But basically, yes, let me be clear, I was not supporting the awful crimes of Theodore T-Bag Bagwell, but I just thought he was so wonderfully acted and such like a compelling character. 100%. He plays a narcissist, like, just yeah. so well, so well. Uh, this is probably one of the best examples in terms of stuff that we've done on flop culture of something that started really strong and then just really, as we've discussed, like just went totally off the rails. So like originally uh, your man that created it, Paul Shuring, he he pitched it to Fox in 2003 and they were like, no, whatever. Uh, didn't really know long term how it would do. And then obviously Lost and 24 came around and then they were like, actually, you know what, whatever, let's do it. So they had an original 13 episode run but then the ratings were so good that it was extended to like, it, they got another nine episodes. So as we mentioned, that's like 22 episodes in the first season, which is unbelievable. When it debuted in 2009, debuted to an estimated audience of 10.5 million viewers, which is success that they had not had uh, since the likes of Melrose Place and Ali McBeal for that time slot. And they were uh, they were both on in 1998, as far as I'm aware. Like it was just in terms of what people said about it at the, at the time, the New York Times said Prison Break was more intriguing than most of the new network series and it is certainly one of the most original, complementing its ability to create a suspenseful thr- thriller and its authentic look. 
Um, and as we mentioned, full season order, 22 episodes for that first season. I couldn't get stats for this for Ireland, but in the UK, so the first and the second seasons were on five, the channel over there. And then the first season was replayed on UK TV Gold before the second season came out on five. And then Sky One got uh, the rights to the the the, the next seasons, uh, acquired the rights to broadcast Prison Break, and they paid 500k per episode in good British pounds, which is just like, look, nice. that's kind of small money now. That was huge. Yeah. Huge at the time. It was just like... Just so nuts, like, mm. so nuts. Could you ever, ever see this coming back in any capacity? I know it's come back in 2017, but I'm wondering. So there was, there was talk of a, like a female spin-off in 2007. So it was going to be called Prison Break Cherry Hill. And the series was to revolve around an upper middle class housewife called Molly and her stint in a women's prison. But then the idea was dropped, I think, because this was around the time of the writer strike. Uh and, but yeah, it, it didn't go into production. I kind of love the idea of that. But yeah. then it's also like we have Orange is the New Black. That's what I was going to say. That kind of, I suppose that's not quite the same thing because it's not about breaking out of prison. That again, prison break frequently was also not about breaking <laughs> out of prison. So you never know. I mean, it's a good question because like in some ways prison break might have been a little bit unfortunate in that it came right before the gold rush of TV a little bit and was kind of locked into that. 22 episodes format, which I don't think did a, a lot of, it didn't do a lot of shows any favors. And I'm not surprised in what you're reading out there in terms of its, you know, it was originally just a 13 episode thing and then just kept being extended because, you know, you can clearly see that it wasn't the most advanced planned show in mm. the world. I mean, the very concept sort of runs itself out of gas which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, sometimes I feel like you see shows now where the the writers or the creators are like going in with like three seasons in mind or like five seasons in mind. Or like, for instance, one of the shows that I really enjoyed in the last year was Yellow Jackets. I don't know if you've seen that. I started and I, I must go back to it before the se- for the second season. I liked yeah. it, but I think I just, for I was watching it with someone and they fell off and I was like, oh, fuck. Mm. It, it's, it's a good show and like, it's a good idea and I really enjoyed it. But I had the very distinct feeling coming out the end of it of like, oh, like they could have, you know, they haven't advanced things a lot or like, I feel like they're holding stuff in reserve. And then I saw an interview with the creator of the show who was like, oh yeah, we've got like a five season arc planned and I was like that's not you know sometimes it's better to just if you have a good idea if you have good do all your good ideas and like give yourself order yeah exactly give yourself the challenge of refreshing which some shows like Succession which I know we both love like Jesse Armstrong goes in it's like you know we just look at each season and we try and do that the best and then almost put ourselves in a position where we've got to ride ourselves out of a corner yeah going into the next season and Prison Break, you know, it clearly, it had the core idea. It was a good idea, fun idea, and very well executed at the start. But then, by virtue of the fact that then you got to keep pumping the seasons out and they're so long, it's like, it just so clearly ran out of juice. In terms of coming back, I would have, before the reboot, I would have had more kind of hope for that. But then the reboot came and, you know, was pretty tragic and and didn't, I don't think it also got, got a great reception either but you know maybe like some maybe something where it isn't the same characters 
is the best way to go because like it's like a hard reboot it's like no, none of the other maybe if someone came back in a cameo but someone that yeah. was still alive in the series and not killed off in season 4 just one where my, it's Michael and Lincoln aren't the, it's not about them because like the very fa- like literally the fact that Michael had to be brought back from death you know goes to show like how how much they've mined out of those two central characters and then the few others who are in their orbit. I think yeah. just like that well is dry. Yeah. So if they're gonna, if it's gonna come back in some form, have it within the same universe by all means, bring some maybe of the more kind of beloved secondary characters, make it about them or have them pop up like you're saying, but... I think if they were to do more about those, I mean, it, it's sort of the, you know, the the catch twenty two of it a little bit because people love the characters and they want to spend time with the characters, but then you don't get that much of an original story if it is, and it's probably the problem that a lot of IP has, you know, because you want to remake, you want to make something that people will go and see, and you and to do that, it's you got to have familiar faces and familiar names, but then it's like we've seen these stories, and so it's a big challenge, but. If if it were me, you know, captaining the prison break ship, I would, uh, yeah, I would say a new cast, new faces, but similar concept and similar similar style, and those, and 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 bring the pan flutes back, you bring know, the, pan flutes, the back. pan flutes, the little, you know, the segues from scene to scene where you'd get this zoomed out view of the prison, and then you would just have the doo, 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 from the pan flutes, that was gold, and that can be used regardless of who's involved regardless of what's it about. So build a show around that. Absolutely. We'll put a clip in here to jog anyone's uh, memory if anyone doesn't remember those Mm. gorgeous pan flutes. And the theme song, sorry, can I just say, incredible. That won an award that I do not have written down, but one of the... One of the good awards. Yeah, <laughs> I'll stick that in after Future Food of Will. Yes, it was the Oscar for um, network television <laughs> theme song, I believe. It was a Golden yeah. Globe or an Emmy or something. It and was. It, like, it, it was nominated at several points. And when Dark Miller was up, I think, for the first season for like Best Actor, again, at one of those awards that I can't remember and I don't have written down. Yeah. Um, you mentioned reviews of season five. I just want to mention this here. So someone wrote, Prison Break recapture some of its old urgency in its return, but familiar faces and frenetic action aren't enough to make up for a plot that manages to bore while beggaring belief which I think lends to your thing about teabags uh, robotic hand mm. uh, did you know there was a mobile series spin-off of Prison Break I did not yeah so this is very if this isn't a 2000 sentence I don't know what is so Prison Break Proof of Innocence was this like low budget spin-off series of Prison Break that was made exclusively for phones Amazing. Um like Mobisode, is that even how you pronounce that? Whatever. So these came out in 2006 and it's basically just like the success of the show. Um, so Fox were like, okay, we need something else to get more money on this. So they did this deal with uh, Toyota and News Corporation's Fox Network, obviously. So Toyota sponsored this exclusive content uh, so each episode is two minutes long. None of the main cast are in it, but it focuses on the conspiracy around Lincoln being in jail and this person investigating it. So the character is called Amber McCall and she's uh, un- attempting to like uncover evidence. To ex- She's friends with uh, whatever. She's friends with him in the show or whatever. It's produced by Eric Young and it was also, he also did, because 24 had a like Mobisode series called 24 Conspiracy. Like, I miss the late 2000s. I don't know if I do. 
I just love now. I would never have watched any of these things re- or or revisit, but I just love the I love the idea behind it. It's like how can we squeeze every last drop out of this popular thing? And it's so funny because you'd never get it now because it's like why would we spend money on this? And then at yeah. the time it was like yes, let's spend money on this. Like we did it. There was a similar thing with uh, Happy Endings, which we covered earlier this season, where they did like. Uh, they did like, a, it was, I think it was, they were webisodes. It, it wasn't made for phones, but again, it was like they were all, and it was kind of separate to the series, but that actually featured the main cast. Just the shit like that that comes up from these 2000s shows gives me life. I um, think we have our reboot concept right here. Bring, what was it, Amber McCauley back. <laughs> Proof of Innocence, no longer a two-minute mobisode. Let's give it the 60 minutes, yeah. Yeah, an hour to every episode. Let's get some famous faces in let's get Matthew McConaughey back for another kind of true detective style role let's get a few big names let's make Proof of Innocence the show of the yeah. year yeah I think a reboot would have worked and it would have like killed on something like a Netflix yeah but I think the 2017 re- reboot has kind of killed it I think that came too soon even though it was still like god maybe like six or seven years after I think you need to let something rest for at least ten years yeah. in my opinion I think it very rarely works when it's something as beloved and started as good as Prison Break did but anyway this is my opinion true because like if you look at one of the biggest shows last year I feel was um, now I, I I watched it and it wasn't great but the Obi-Wan Kenobi show which was bringing Ewan McGregor back for his role in the Star Wars prequels which were reviled at the time like universally hated mm. those three movies but they just waited 20 years and then the nostalgia factor had kicked in and everyone was so excited to see Ewan McGregor back and Hayden Christensen back uh, as Darth Vader which like you know again he was probably the most hated part or one of the most hated parts of those so I think you're right they waited a little longer uh, to bring back Prison Break and do the reboot they probably would have been more goodwill going into it the likes of myself probably would have maybe stuck past the cyborg surgeries, you know, for the sake of seeing a few more familiar faces. But, mm. you know, that means that they could another, I don't know, five, ten years down the line reach that point. Who knows? You leave anything long enough, it'll become a bop. You yeah. leave a flap to rest for a while, time is usually, usually kind to it, as it'll this podcast has proved. itself into yeah. something. Beloved. Like wine. Very similar to wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know there was a prison... <laughs> There was a Prison Break live show. No. Which they, just, when I heard of this. Prison, prison Break subculture elements that I, I was probably too young at the time to to get involved in, but I would have loved to have. I didn't know about this either, but it kind of seems a bit unhinged. If you went to this, please get in touch. HelloFlapCulture at gmail.com. Uh, so it was Prison Break Live, live, all caps, exclamation mark. It's created by Sudden Impact Entertainment Company and it was an interactive experience aimed at bringing to life the atmosphere from the television series toward the US, Australia, UK, China, Germany and Mexico from 2006 to 2008. Like, what? That's Prison Break on Ice? What was this like? That is a good run. 2006 to 2008, my Like, that's goodness. not to be sniffed at, like. What exactly but what did, were they doing? Yeah, that's what, what I want to know. What did they do to, what was it, like, kind of record create the vibe or whatever it's like everyone was handcuffed in the crowd you know optional full body tattoos (laughs) 
<laughs> on your way in and out. I'm so intrigued. They need bring that back. Bring that I back. I would go. Yeah, I agree. Um, you spoke a little bit about your first memory of Prison Break, like watching it with your siblings and your parents, whatever else. So, okay, this isn't technically my first memory of it because I I watched it similar enough to you, but I have a very specific memory of uh, I went on a holiday to Poland with my mom in. It, it was 2006, yeah, because this is the year this song was released. And there was this song everywhere on the radio in Poland. And I, co- I could not understand why. We'll take a clip. It's the prison break anthem. Prison break anthem. Just what you need. Just what you need. Sorry, I'm watching in the background. They're, they're playing like footage from Prison Break, but also whoever's rapping it is, is very much not part of the show. So this is a Prison Break Anthem, as you probably guessed. Uh, it's a single by Belgian rapper Kai Styles, uh, And it was used as the theme song for Prison Break in Belgium. And it peaked at number three on the Flanders singles chart. And when I say this was, if, like if we went... Somewhere, or we went to a restaurant or whatever, and they had like a TV, or we were in a, like a bar, and they had a TV up. Like this was playing on the music channels, and I caught. Co- I was like, "How has this infiltrated culture so much in a way?" Incredible in Poland as well. That's not. It's you know. That's not even. Oh yeah, I'm not saying. Country, I understand guys. Poland and Belgium are different countries. <laughs> can I just say? But like, this is. I didn't get it. Like it was just incredible. That is. So oh good. my god, you you have to send that to me because I I think I found my new ringtone. I will. I'll link it in the show notes below for anyone who also wants to indulge in that bop. The Prison um, Break Anthem. The the Prison Break Anthem. Incredible. So good. Uh, Simon, before I let you go, what's your what's your elevator pitch for Prison Break for anyone who is, hasn't been convinced to watch it uh, up to now listening? Oh... That's a good question because I have done a fair bit of bad mouthing of of the the latter half. Of well, we'll break. say I'll I'd say, say seasons one to three. Yeah, seasons one to three, or at the very least, seasons one and two is like the biggest adrenaline rush of a TV show. If you want a TV show that is the kind of visual equivalent of being on a roller coaster, Prison Break is the show for you because every episode. My God, the stakes could not have been higher. The dramatic tension could not have been more visceral. Like, all the way, especially the episodes where they're breaking out. My God. So good. You're, you're, you're so sweating. Good. Your heart is beating. You're on the edge of your seat the entire time. Twists and turns aplenty. It's, now, if that's not your thing, fair enough. But if you want a, if you want a, a genuine thriller of a TV series, nothing was more thrilling than Prison Break. It's been such a pleasure. You are on tour. Where can people see you on tour and then where can people find you on social because you're extremely funny. Thank you very much. Yes, I am on tour. (laughs) Yes, I am extremely funny. (laughs) Yes, no, that is true. Prison Break is thrilling. I am funny. (laughs) Um, Yes, I'm on tour this spring, I suppose. I'm taking my one-hour musical sketch comedy show Afters which is a series of songs, sketches and stand-up all about the weird and wonderful things that happen at 5am in a randomer's kitchen at an afters. Um, So playing that in London on April 28th and then Galway, May 11th and Dublin on May 17th and May 
19th. So come along. Come along and have some fun. Bring your bucket hats. Bring your fanny packs. It is not to be missed. And Ooh. socials, you asked for those too. I did. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Simon underscore Hennessy. And then you can find the other ones from there. Yeah. You know, you, you figure it out. All right. I'm not going to hold your hand through this process, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> all right. You know my name. Search it. <laughs> but do come to the show. Please come to the show. Um, I will link all the shows below and all the information and everywhere that you can follow Simon if you are like that lazy that you just can't do the search which is fair yes. whatever oh, it's gosh. fine I'm here to spoon feed you Simon won't but I will um, I ca- already can't wait to have you back this was a joy Simon thank you so much for joining me on Flap Culture thank you very much for having me lots of fun huge thanks to Simon for joining me what a funny guy I will leave all the links to his socials in the show notes and if you want to catch him on the afters tour you can do so he plays 21 Soho in London on April 28th Monroe's in Galway on May 11th the Bernard Shaw in Dublin on May 17th and the Lighthouse in Dunleary on May 19th full details on his Instagram at Simon underscore Hennessy and as I said it should all be linked there in the show notes if you want to catch up on Prison Break you can watch all episodes including the reboot on Disney Plus Before I let you go, let's find out who is Top of the Flops this week. You're a flop. Top of the Flops this week. I mean, so initially I I was like, okay, it's obviously Joe Alwyn because he broke up with Taylor Swift. Why would you do that? But now the report seems to suggest that like it was her potentially. We don't really know. That could be her people getting ahead of that. So like conditional honorary flop, I would just say, I'm going to say Joe Alwyn. But the real loser out of this, the real loser out of this, Cornelia Street. If you're a Taylor Swift fan, maybe you listen to the Lover episode of Flap Culture. If you haven't, go back and listen to that. It's a good listen. There's a song in that album called Cornelia Street, which is basically about, again, allegedly talking about her relationship with Joe. And, you know, if they ever broke up, she would never be able to walk down Cornelia Street again because it reminds her of him. And, you know, there's so many nice memories attached to it. And now they are broken up. And she's never going to walk down there again, regardless of who done it. This breakup has taken something away from Taylor that money can't buy. And that is the joy of being a pedestrian. That's true loss. Never mind losing your boyfriend of six years. She can't walk down a street. She is barred from a street. That's power. That's power if I ever heard it. Knowing her though, she'd probably take the plane. You know what I mean? Go for me to be whiz down there. Um, so top of the flops, Cornelia Street. That in terms of geographical visitors, downhill. Though also top of the flops, the fans that are leaving, unironically leaving flowers on that street to mourn the relationship. Get a life. Get a life. Get a life! If you're doing it ironically, that's funny. But if you're not, get a life. Thank you so much for listening. I would love if you could rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave a five-star review on Spotify. We have 200 reviews on Spotify. Thank you so much. How long till 300? Let's find out. Let us find out. If you want more of me, which I highly doubt, but if you do, you can now find me back over on Bandwagons every fortnight. The podcast where we talk about all the things that other people are talking about. We're talking about bandwagons that people are getting on. Uh, there's bonus episodes on Patreon too. This week on the Patreon, uh, we're talking about Louis Capaldi and his Netflix documentary, How I'm Feeling Now. That's what it's called. Anyway, I liked it even though I can't really remember the title. If that's your bag, come over. We'd love to have you. 
This podcast, as always, has been edited by Adam Shanahan. Artwork by the lovely Brian Lambert. Until next week, mind yourselves, enjoy your lives. Goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.